What's going on, guys? We're back at the Real Bodybuilding Podcast. This is episode number 132, and I am here with the coach of the year, Milo Sarchev. How are you, sir? Good. Thank you for, for finally having me on your podcast and uh, for a real bodybuilding. You know, there's yeah. a real bodybuilding talk. That's where I want to be involved. Yeah. So I, thank you for inviting me. Ed. I'm sorry it's taken so long. We, um, we've, we've had a... I don't know if we've had a, a, a weird history through the, the last year, because I know you had some comments for Ian and Ian is a, f- a friend of the podcast and I, yes. it's all, it's all very, um, you know, it's all in competition, but it, I want to get into that first, just to kind of get it out of the way and not yeah. necessarily talk about Ian, but just one of the topics I always cover on this podcast is veterans of the sport and how they see our current sport. Yes. So I see you as one of the icons of bodybuilding. Like everybody know everybody knows Milos, everybody knows your history, everybody knows how many pro shows you've done and won and um you have a very very uh legendary history in bodybuilding. So one of the things I've always said is the people at the very top or the icons that came before us should do a better job to promote the current crop of bodybuilders instead of tearing them down. Yes. Do you feel that way at all about some of the comments that you've seen come and go from previous icons? Yes, I do. But uh, uh, as I had this opportunity for the first time uh, to talk about Ian, I, I know that you're very close to him. And uh, I, I think that this uh, uh, incident that happened after the New York that he won was really misunderstood and uh, blown out of proportion. So first to say, I love Jan and I respect him a great deal, great deal. I, I, I don't know if you've seen my recent comments of his, I respect how hardworking he is. He's true hardcore bodybuilder. Very few train as intense as he does. He's so passionate about it. Uh, I heard that he's quite like me, just straightforward, say, say yeah. the things that he, he means. So uh, if I can touch that subject, I, I'm gonna tell you really. Um, uh, what I did after the New York show, uh, on the way back, I was at the uh, airplane. You can imagine you have a just very uh, limited time to post something before the flight. I went on uh, NPC News online. I took all these pictures. There was like 30, 40 photos. I put uh, like three in one. Mm-hmm. And I just posted them, you know, from the show. Yeah. Not saying anything about my athlete, Max Charles, deserving to beat him or anything else. He's just putting that, right? So his response, when I landed, I actually seen it. Oh, look, I see what you're doing. You're putting, a, a, you know, pictures of Max that looks better than me, something like that, which I didn't, really. Yeah. So, yeah. of course, my smart-ass remark was, oh, well, if you see it this way, then, you know, maybe you should think about it, right? And then we went back and forth, back and forth, and it came to the point that, uh, uh, you know, how, you know, we sometimes... Uh, answer something sarcastically and, and, and you know, he maybe took it uh, in the wrong way. And I, I know that Melissa actually even like cried in your uh, podcast, which breaks my heart. Listen, I love everybody involved in this sport. Anybody that touches the dumbbell steps his foot in the gym. I love it. I, this is my job. This is uh, what I do. And especially Melissa and, and um, Jan, they're so lovable people. I mean, I, I have nothing against it. And then there was uh, uh, something else that uh, I, I now don't remember exactly. He commented something else that maybe <laughs> I took it wrong. But when I answered him, 
he was like, oh my God, no, she take anything wrong. And then I guess he just uh, uh, blocked me on Instagram. <laughs> so, so every time this is so funny. Uh, and I tell you the whole story. Uh, this Chicago uh, this year, again, he was competing against Max. Mm. And I've seen that, uh, and I, I know that you have an eye for that because I see you commentating a Prague show. Mm. And uh, you watch when people uh, are losing their legs and uh, they relax it and, you know, front relax, front double biceps, front last spread, abs and thighs. You don't squeeze your legs, this mm. half of the body, you can lose that pose. Yeah. So me being me, uh, I was passing by Ian and um, uh, he is competing against my athlete, but I have a duty, what I think. I told him, Ian, this is just my opinion. Uh, you didn't squeeze your legs in uh, many poses so you know pay attention in the finals okay yeah, yeah. and i said this in some interview uh and i guess uh, uh, max charles and his wife took it against me like oh my god i'm helping somebody uh you know to beat them oh they thought you were helping the competition kind of yes yeah, yes yeah. And, and i said like listen okay let me uh, do this straight i said max i was backstage in new york uh talking in front of Akeem Williams and his coach. And I went there and said, Akeem, if I can just tell you, glue your stomach to the spine, make your stomach flat. You know, uh, me as observant, trying to give him a good tip, that yeah. by the time he step on the stage, if he pays attention, you know, you can make a difference. Mm -hmm. I said, Max, I said this in front of you. You didn't say nothing, yeah. except you said, oh, Akeem didn't like it. I said, well, if he didn't like it, you know, uh, he took it wrong. But, uh, but my point is, my athlete or not, I would always come to them and, and say what I think mm. as an observer and old athlete, like you said, uh, icons of the sport. I want to help. I, I never wanted to criticize to make it better. I criticize positively, constructively in, in that sense. Can I so, Ian, if uh, you're watching, I mean, uh, from the bottom of my heart, uh, if I insulted you, I apologize. Uh, I didn't mean it. Mm. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> Us commentating on a sport, uh, sometimes I would tell them, my athlete, you deserve to win. And uh, uh, on that note, because you competed uh, for a long time, and I don't know if actually a lot of people appreciate it. You're like two times uh, pro champion, and you were like second so many times. I know that many times when I talk to some uh, people that don't really recognize you as good as you were. Mm. So I just want to you know, make that point because we Thank never you. talk about it. You're the uh, IBB Pro Champion that many people would dream about and never achieve it, but you did. Thank so you. Uh, to, to get back on that, I tried to constructively uh, criticize. I'm not doing what uh, some of the icons nowadays, uh, as you said, are putting them really down. Can I ask but, you, can I, can I interrupt you before you answer that question? Just because something you said about helping guys, and I understand what you're doing because I'm in kind of the same position now. So... Because I'm a little bit older, some guys send me their mandatory poses before a show. They're like, what do you think? Or my athletes that I have on the supplement company, they'll, you know, what do you think? And I'll say, you know, they'll be like a week or two out from a show. And I'll say, you know, maybe if you do your side chest like this, it'll look a little better. Maybe you do your back double bicep like this, it'll look a little better. I found that even though your heart is in the right place, when you're trying to help somebody that close to a show, especially if they didn't ask, 
they take it the mm-hmm. wrong way. You know what I mean? So like, I understand what you're doing with Akeem, right? Like you go to Akeem, you say, look, if you bring your stomach in, you might do a place or two better, but he's at the moment of the show, he probably can't recognize that you're trying to help. So yes. he yeah. takes it the wrong way. Right? Like, yeah, I completely agree with you. And listen, this dated back to my first year as a pro, uh, uh, 1991, uh, I met Sonny Schmidt. I'm sure you, you know, Sonny very well. I love the guy. So we became uh, training partners. He was my roommate. And, you know, so first time um, when I look at him and he said, what do you reckon? Right. What do you reckon? That's Australian. I said, well, and and I gave him some of the criticism like, uh, and he was like, oh, cunt. You know, because in in Australia, they're all cunt. I said, you don't say this, you know, week before the show. I said, well, week before the show, you asked me, and I, you know, I told you, I mean, yeah. what does that make a difference? Yeah. But really, I mean, uh, now, is this insecurity of the guys? I would always much rather you tell me criticism than compliment, because compliment can be, everybody, oh, you look great, you look great. You don't look great. Yeah. And in, in that side chest, if you maybe turn a little bit more and do something, you know, it yeah. makes a difference. So I am guilty of what you're doing constantly uh, look i love the guys and when i say everything is okay i'm not gonna even comment great great but if i comment is pay attention look in the mirror many guys don't explore can they just do something out of the ordinary you know it's hard to uh, teach an old dog a new trick so they did the side chest for five years the same way so they don't want to change it because this is what is comfortable but hey look at this they changed like two inches this way and he looked 10 pounds heavier. Yeah. So should I say it or should I zip it up? No, you know? I think it's something that should be said. I just think you have, so if somebody doesn't ask and you, and you offer the opinion, it's like, it's not that it's not that it's wrong. And yes, it's because still coming from a good place, but you know how bodybuilders are. Yes. It, like immediately you would think to yourself, you know, because at the backstage, you know how it is in your backstage. You're like already in this very fragile state. Yeah. So yeah. to have somebody come up, especially somebody that they respect like you, and then yeah. all of a sudden go, hey, you're not tightening your legs. That's going to yeah. mess with that's going to mess with somebody's head. Right. They're like, oh, shit. Does that mean my project? Well, you know, but it, it, it will help at the same time, but it could also backfire on them. I understand, yeah, and I see a point. So in case you did talk to Jan, and actually he took this as maybe negative that I came to confuse him or something. No, 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 from the bottom of my heart. And I'll tell you this, if you look at the prejudging of that uh, Chicago show, Mm. you're gonna see 10 photos of Jan with no legs, okay? I'm serious. So uh, I, uh, what you did in Prague, and I was very impressed with your commentary and. And you have an eye for it, really. I, I, I command you. So uh, I did for my tube. I said, like, you know what? Let me sit right now and just play the video. And I'm going to judge what I see from uh, the West Texas show. Mm. Uh, and uh, they had a six comparisons. Uh, Jan, Steve, and Phil. Yeah. They had six comparisons. So, you know, first comparisons, when I look at the front of biceps, last spread, I would judge the way I see it. But then second time, the same guys did the same pose. I look at it, I'll be damned, you know? Now this guy looks better. Yeah. Because 
you know, maybe they didn't pull out the legs completely, which happens to young a couple of times. And then from the front, legs are not there. So should I, as a judge, consider, okay, I've seen he has the legs. This time he forgot to squeeze them. I'll just, you know, look through, I'll let him pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what, what do you do? So as I was calling these poses, and uh, uh, I read them, there was about uh, 10 times, and I changed my opinion during uh, the, the six rounds. Yeah. And I believe the judges do the same thing. I mean, it's easy for us, you know, in the comfort of our home, watch the videos and, you know, say, and it's different when you're on a hot seat of the judge, you have to make decision. I mean, you know, it is much tougher than people think. And then we all complain, complain. No, no, no. I learned my lesson because when I used to complain, I said, no, I see it differently. Okay, that's my opinion. But yeah. did I actually judge? And I said, no, I didn't. I just think overall physique, like let's say yeah. Jan's yeah. physique. Yeah. And uh, I see overall condition. Okay. But it's not what you have. It's what you show. If you go on that line and you don't show it what you have, it doesn't matter. What, what should they? What you know? How should they judge you? Yeah, yeah. So these, these kind of things, yes. Well, but just for the just for the record, I didn't actually discuss this with Ian. Me and you were just having a. a oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Good. Ian didn't. Ian didn't say any of this stuff to me. I'm just uh, projecting how I used to think when I was backstage. If somebody would have came up to me <laughs> mo moments before going on stage, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, it depends how it's said. I mean, in one instance, I can see it being like very positive and be like, "Oh, okay. Well, I'll flex." my abs better but in another instance it might go the other way so i'm just you know i'm just wondering if you consider that but anyway going back to the main point about yeah. about the veterans of the sport like even lee haney the great lee haney has, has mentioned some things how do you think that should be approached and do you think it's okay for them to be giving such critique on social media yeah well it's it's a touchy subject and i'm gonna uh, for the first time express my opinion. Of course, I come from the era of the 90s. Yeah, I started in 91, Lee Haney's 80s and Robbie Robinson 70s and Barry DeMay 80s, 90s, right? And they're raising opinion of normally what? They like aesthetics over just pure size, right? Aesthetics over size. So maybe they're saying in that direction, but they're not using a right words and expression and then it's condescending and uh, it, you know it doesn't you know reflect a good way i agree with you so of course if i would be you know some of those guys i would be offended but uh, i was guilty of saying in one of the podcasts about nick walker before the arnold classic mm. that i just don't see that aesthetics right mm. so i stand behind it he's not a static guy no but the second he stepped on that arnold classic stage Within 30 seconds, so, oh my God, yeah. he's <laughs> hands down winner, okay? So me, aesthetic guy, uh, judge for 40 years, I'm in this sport, whoop, I've seen him winning, why? On the virtue of, yeah, he has all the muscle, he has a, you know, the, the so much dense, separated, strided, uh, hard muscle. He kept his stomach super tight at all times, Yep. and make himself look, you know, more aesthetic. And yep. he was dwarfing them in the size and uh, it was great conditioning. So for me, I went backstage and uh, it was, he was right next to Steve Kukla. And if you remember, after prejudging, there was 
uh, one and two. You don't know yeah. who won. And I went straight yeah. to him, you won this hands down. Yeah. I posted on my Instagram, you won hands down before I knew the results. Sure. In front of Steve Cooper, I have no problem saying, and you made me a believer, and he did. I mean, he is so phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But again, is he aesthetic? So, so now you can probably uh, bring uh, Regan Grimes, right? Sure. So I started working with him, as you know, and I'm not preparing this for a next outing. But when I look at Regan, that's as aesthetic as they come. Like, mm-hmm. oh, my God. Yeah. That's uh, 70s, 80s, 90s bodybuilding. That's, uh, you know, so if we polish this, uh, how is this going to look? Mm-hmm. So I am on board with, uh, you know, old timers. I would like aesthetics to be brought back into bodybuilding. I, I, I would. Now, let's, let me put you on a hot seat. I mean, uh, you know, because uh, I, I get myself in trouble every time. If you look, <laughs> <laughs> if you look at uh, Nick Walker and uh, let's say uh, uh, Regan, re- the same conditioning. Okay, same conditioning. Okay, yeah, Regan still needs to make a little bit more improvements in size. But yes. assuming that he does, right? Uh, how do you judge? You know, if you consider everything. Does, does do, if you're asking me if Regan has potential to be a top Olympian, I would say 100%. He has the potential. He has a structure. He has the insertions. He definitely needs to fill out his body because he's, you know, I've seen Regan in person many times. He's got a very big guy structurally. His wide shoulders, taller. So, yes, he has potential to beat Nick. But Nick also is very, very dense. And I don't think aesthetics tell the whole story. They're only one piece of the puzzle, right? So you have to be able to put the whole puzzle together. And as of right now, Nick has done a better job doing that. What I, but my, my point more is, you know, like these older bodybuilders like Barry, like yourself, like Lee Haney, they love aesthetics. I think everybody likes aesthetics. I, 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 you know, when I look at a picture of Flex Wheeler, or when I look at a picture of you, or I look at a picture of any of these Lee Haney, I'm blown away. But the difference is I'm also blown away by a picture of Jay Cutler or Kai Green or Nick Walker. So I have an equal amount of respect for the aesthetic bodybuilder and the mass monster. Cause I know exactly what it takes to build both. Yes. And I know, I know each person is playing to their strength. So I would yes. never, I would never talk poorly about a mass monster or poorly about an aesthetic guy. And I feel yes. like that's where I feel like that's where the conversation gets lost is somebody may have an opinion of a physique they like better, but that yes. doesn't, that doesn't mean that you have to disrespect a different yes. type, a different type yeah. of physique. I don't know. There's, there's facts should always be there. But by all means, on that note, of course, I respect uh, Jay Cutler and, uh, and uh, Dorian Yates. Yeah. I mean, let's say uh, Ronnie Coleman, he was winning because he was so much freakier. Uh, I did uh, uh, Flex Magazine article back in 2003, and I just you know, brought that uh, question. I say, Dexter Jackson, Ronnie Coleman, in which aspect of bodybuilding does uh, Ronnie beat Dexter? On the shape, aesthetics, balance, conditioning. That no, only aspect was the size. Do you but really? Be- was, do you really believe that though? Yeah, I, I mean, conditioning, two thousand three, uh, aesthetics. Okay, wait. Don't you can't pick the year. Let's play a game. So okay, okay. 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 Nineteen ninety nine, Ronnie Coleman. Okay, 
Or or even 98, Ronnie Coleman. 98. Uh, that's okay. my favorite Ronnie. Okay, so 98, Ronnie Coleman. Where does is, is what do you think is the best Dexter? 2008? Yeah. Okay, okay so 2008 Dexter, <laughs> 98 Ronnie Coleman. Where does Dexter beat that Ronnie Coleman? Tell me. Because in my uh, opinion, in my opinion, yeah. conditioning is Ronnie. Yeah, 98, yes. Structure and balance is Ronnie. Yeah, well, okay. That's quite there. Listen, 98, uh, Ronnie had a small waist. Yep. Yes. Small waist, so for, for sure. But he never had a, those uh, um, visible deep abs that would be like just aesthetically when you stand a, in, a, in a front relax and then a front of biceps. Yeah, he was as conditioned as they, they come, but... Uh, Okay, 98 was Ronnie at his condition best. Uh, Dexter established himself with the razor blade cuts throughout the whole career. Mm. Ronnie, 2000, wasn't that good. 2002 no. wasn't that good. Come on, huh? 2000, 2001, Arnold Classic, Ronnie Coleman. 2001, yes. But 2000, it was against uh, Kevin. That was, yeah, yeah. And yeah. 2002, 2002, listen. Uh, that's the year when he lost to Gunter later in uh, GNC. At the, at the show, I, I mean, uh, one thing that Ronnie did every time uh, after the show, he would tell me, you know, Milos, what do you think? And I would, uh, every year I would tell him what I think. 2001, you know, he came to the gym, what do you think? I said, like, listen, you are lucky to beat Jay. <laughs> he, was, he was pissed off. And then the uh, next day he goes, you know, I, I, I see I see what he's saying, but I still beat him. I said, okay, you yeah. know. Yeah. I, that was the year that nobody expected Jay to be that good. That, that's my favorite Jay. That was, that's my, yeah. yeah. This and my 2003 Iron Man. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, incredible. Yeah. Yeah, 2003 Iron Man, those lights. But yeah, so to be fair and answer your question, 98 Ronnie beats, beats any version of uh, Dexter. Of anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. yeah. Actually, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. There's nothing, but it's not, but, but I just think it's unfair to say it's just muscularity because I think people mistake aesthetics and structure and proportions. Yes. Aesthetics, yes. aesthetics just means you like the flow or the, the way the yeah. muscle inserts, but, Shapes. but, but structure and balance and proportions is, is the muscle even from top to bottom, side to side. And Ronnie, can you think of any weak points or any body parts that don't match up? Maybe the calves, maybe. 98 calves, yeah. yeah. I mean, he uh, did uh, improve them <laughs> later. Uh, you know, but uh, his stomach was not really there. And I tell you this, look at all the pictures and videos. Yeah. There was numerous times what I mentioned this, he didn't squeeze his quads. He didn't. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's the half of the body. When you're missing, kind of missing calves, so you know what I mean about yeah. calves. Yeah. And then you don't have a... a a leg separated and then your stomach is not so good then yeah you end up looking at the arms and nobody can touch uh ronnie's biceps especially yeah, of yeah. course and yeah. then he turns around at that back but once he starts getting that injury to the lat and you see left and right side not being exactly there, then, ooh, yeah. he's kind yeah. of in trouble yeah. but it's still ronnie and then uh, ronnie did let his stomach out for many many times you the know, last, yeah uh, the last few the last few years i would agree with you in yes 2003 four five it got definitely got bigger, but the quads, Ronnie's quads are crazy. I mean, I would put Ronnie's quads in the top five of all time. Yes, if he flexes. Uh, I, I mean, 
Uh, I don't have <laughs> much time right now, but listen, I'm going to do this in the near future. I'm going to find all the pictures and just uh, send it to you for you okay. to see it. Okay. You know, because because uh, for me as a, as a uh, commentator, I'm watching him uh, front lat spread. He would do the traps instead yeah, of the yeah, lats. Yeah, yeah, he would pull the front. Know? Yeah. Yeah. So there's many many poses that uh, you know. Uh, I would, I would give him my comments, not that he would appreciate it, like you said, because he's an eight times Mr. Olympia, so who am I to, to, to give him the, my opinion? Yeah. But uh, to go back on this one, okay. 1993, you are the judge. Flex Wheeler, Sean Ray, uh, Dorian Yates. Mm. Uh, you need to make a decision, and IBB made a decision. Yeah. If I was a judge, the decision would be different. Okay. I would I would go with flex. Sure. Uh, and uh, and when uh, you go with the then 1994 uh, prejudging Dorian was way off, mm -hmm. way off. Plus biceps there, plus conditioning not there, right? Sean was uh, you know crazy and all that stuff. So that comes to the point of mass monsters or uh, shaped pleasing look, right? Yeah. So you wanna. Uh, we appreciate I, I appreciate freaky look of course sure. we all do sure but it is really freakier beauty so freakiness to be so if you go with uh, uh what was um joe Wheeler doing with the letting frank zane 1977 78 79 winning yeah. the olympia he was what 180 yeah yeah you know yeah yeah and, and how do you explain sean clarita winning with 175 pounds or whatever yeah, yeah you know so you know this is what we are speaking okay i know what it takes to be your size i mean yeah. i know what takes uh, ronnie jay and everything and i tell you jay cutler 96 uh, i saw him first time in um in um gold's venice and really at that time if somebody would say milos i'm giving you 100 million dollars okay put on this guy to win mr olympia yeah uh, <laughs> yeah. No way. There's yeah. a that's the era of the '90s of the Ronnie and the Flex and the Sean and Kevin, Chris, Paul, Lee. You you name it, right? So yeah. for me to think that this physique, because for me he was kind of blocky, huh? But what uh, you said, uh, Jay made out of his blocky physique was astonishing. Yeah. He was so much wider that he created that V taper, X frame, crazy feathered. Uh, quads just like oh my god uh, I like Dexter Jackson's physique better yeah. but uh, after one minute of 2009 Olympia I swear to god I called Jay's uh, uh, mobile number and said congratulations you won <laughs> it was so dominating yeah yeah, yeah. but I think that's uh, <clears throat> and I'll touch on this point one, one, one last time and then we'll move on but yeah I think that's the problem with the casual fans of the sport they mistake the beauty that you're talking about with how it should be judged. And they're not understanding that the judging isn't necessarily about beauty. It's more about symmetry, muscularity, condition, and you can have good symmetry and not be pretty to look at. Do you, do you agree with that statement? Like you can yeah. have good proportions yeah. and still not be aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think that's the conf confusion for people because they're like, they they think it's judged on aesthetics and not symmetry and proportion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Symmetry, proportion. I mean, balance. You see, I tell you, 
first uh, IBB judge that I talked to, you know, back in the 90s, before I was even pro, you know, uh, Ken, I forget uh, his last name from uh, Los Angeles, he said, Milos, first thing uh, I'm looking, it's a balance and weaknesses. If somebody's missing something. Yeah, yeah. Because at the pro level already, you shouldn't be missing anything. And then, uh, yeah, I understand. But uh, I tell you, back in the 90s even, I, I made a comments to Ben Demilia, pro chairman at the time, yeah. because there was many instances that um, some guys were not really in condition, but they were they were really uh, pushed because of aesthetics and uh, you know the you know status. Even though now it's kind of ridiculous because we like to talk '90s conditioning was uh, something, yeah. and really I do think that if you compare majority of the people that stepped on the stage in the '90s. The majority of the competitors nowadays, you can see discrepancy. Not yeah. that some of the guys nowadays are not uh, producing this kind of conditioning. But uh, so when I told the Vendamina, I said, listen, I mean, you should judge to what it is, not what could be if he died at four more weeks or if he lost, like, you know, yeah. a, P- a Pacific Ocean full of water. I mean, this kind of things. <laughs> um, yeah. Milos, how many shows did you do for those people who don't know your history? I did a 110 total, 38 amateur and 72 professional. 72 yeah. professional. So how many shows every year did you do uh, on, on average? Yeah, like uh, on average, it ended up being like a six because I, I stretched it. But you see, 2000, I didn't compete. I was not allowed. Okay. I, I was qualified for Olympia. I was preparing for Olympia. I wanted to compete, but I didn't get the medical clearance because of my central uh, accident. And then I had uh, ARDS, that acute respiratory distress syndrome, which is kind of, kind of scary. So they didn't want to clear me. And I was so bummed because I was ready for it. And then, you know, European tour comes right after. So yeah. you have another six shows. Uh, I wasn't cleared. And, uh, uh, but but uh, I did, in the three years, I did every organized show, every organized show, IBB. And... and because this is a good platform, a lot of bodybuilders, true bodybuilders, you, you know, like yourself. Uh, what I, I really don't understand why they would be passing on the shows. For mm. me, this was opportunity to make money, to be seen, to get some appearances, to get, uh, you know, business, right? And it yeah. is like nine to five job. I'm not going to skip Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I'm working every day. Can- so this is, this is how I looked at it. Yeah. But can I I explain maybe for the modern day guys? Because I think I didn't, you know, I didn't do that many shows. I did, I think the most I did in a year was four. Um, I think, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but with the supplement company contracts now, guys are making like, you know, the upper guys are making 50 to 100 to $150,000 a year or something like that, say, right? So their contracts rely on their placings and getting better. So I think for a lot of the guys, for myself anyway, I'll speak for myself. I wanted to have better off seasons so I could get bigger, so I could get better placings. So I didn't want to compete at every single show because I felt like that would limit my amount of off season and my time to grow as a bodybuilder. But like, I think now, nowadays you see somebody like Ian, for example, who's got the majority of muscle that he needs. So he's competing more often. But I think a lot of these guys, when they're coming up, they want to just get as big as they can so they can get into the higher placings. I see that. I see that. But that opens a can of worms. For me, the greatest progress I could make was that rebound 
post-competition. Yeah. So if if this is the greatest period, then do I want to have a, more of those during a year? You know, that's why I competed and then I could take uh, advantage of this uh, uh, rebound. Then one year, one year only, I, I say, okay, 94. I just said, oh, let me have a full off season. And uh, I hated it because there was no immediate, uh, you know, the, the deadline is the biggest motivator. <laughs> but, but, did you, but did you hate it because, like you said, there was no deadline? Or did you hate it because you didn't feel like you were making any progress? Like it was boring uh, for you. Both. I mean, I really honestly made a, a bigger progress in this. Rebound. This was kind of off. So I am off. You know that I don't have to really push everything into this basket today and next week because contest is in a, you know 12 uh, months. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the other thing that uh, okay uh, you're probably different that that uh, would be interesting conversation. I never liked idea of just overloading, eat big to get big, you know these kind of things, and get so much fatter that you would want to be. Let's say nobody wants to get fat. Yeah. But when they get fat as the consequence of their eating, because now I'm off season, I just eat to be big, you know, that fat, that fat cell is going to blow yeah. up and eventually you're going to have to shrink it. Yeah. And uh, I've seen throughout the years, many guys, they, they go up 20 pounds and they lose uh, 20 and then yeah. 20 and they lose 19. I would much rather gain three and uh, three to the next show and stuff like that. Uh, I just don't see. That's what I'm gonna do with uh, both Samsung now and uh, and, uh, and Regan. Uh, Regan. You know, right now I don't know if you get the message. Uh, I, I send you send uh, Samsung double order of uh, hostile supplements. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, because, yeah, but yeah. What if what if you get okay? This is an inter- it is an interesting conversation because it comes up all the time. Yeah. What if you put on twenty and you keep ten? What yeah. if you yeah. what if you, what if you put on twenty? Like a lot of 20 is not a lot. Let's say a guy puts on 20 pounds. He's still pretty lean. He puts on two pounds on the next stage, right? Yeah. What, what if a guy puts on 40 and keeps 10 pounds? Yeah. I mean, listen, it is okay. But in the process for a one year, you burden your heart and the cardiovascular system, everything else with yeah. being way too heavy. And then next year you're going to do the same thing and same, you know? So for me, from a health aspect, listen, I was doing photo shoots for magazines and guest posing throughout the year. Uh, I competed in 99, for example, on two week notice. I didn't plan to compete Canada and other champions. So I'm in shape, why not? These kind of things. Uh, So I think, and if you pick any guy, any guy from a pro scene right now, I say, should you go off season and just get huge or I would go controlled. Listen, I like maximizing everything. So if I do off season, I would want to maximize growth, of course, but my caloric uh, intake would be just little above the requirement, sure. not 2000 over requirement, because sure. you know that that's going to be stored elsewhere. Sure. So these kind of things, uh, I, I said this uh, just a couple of days ago, and I don't know if you agree, because you had a the kind of new generation. So when I criticize some of the new generations, uh, I see three things. One thing, they don't eat enough. They don't yeah. eat enough. Nowadays. Yeah. Okay. Nowadays. Okay. They don't eat enough. And I, I tell you this many times when I send my diets to some guys, and I actually, actually have a couple of clients quit on me because, oh my God, 
This is like so much. I mean, yeah. and really, it's something that I, I'm sure that I think that's that's true for amateurs because they don't understand how much we really eat. But I okay. don't think I don't think it's true for the pro guy. Like, if you talk to James or you talk to Rome, like Roman's eating, Roman's eating seven thousand calories right now. Roman Fritz. Yeah. Yeah, I, I coach him for like oh, uh, you're, you're six months. I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know exactly. Yeah, so, grams of carbs. Yeah, and yeah. James James is working with Patrick, and you know I think James and Ian were both doing over five thousand calories a day of clean food. So, yeah. I mean, so I think the guys on the pro level that are making progress do understand how much you have to eat. I think it's the amateur guys that are trying to replace the food with drugs and they don't understand that it's going to, they need more food to put on size. As far as like getting fat in the off season, I don't believe in getting fat, but I do like, I do probably put on more weight than someone like you would like. Like I don't stay lean in the off season. I don't get fat somewhere in the middle. But I always felt Someone's like middle. I always felt like I always put on, you know, up until I got to about 255, 260 on stage, I always put on five or 10 pounds a year. Every year I would put on five or 10 pounds. So for me, it worked. I just kept doing it yeah. because I felt like it worked. And yeah. then once I got to 255, 260, I stopped getting as fat because it wasn't working anymore. It wasn't like I wasn't netting the same amount of muscle every year. So I stopped getting overly heavy in the off season. Yeah, yeah. But you wanted that old-fashioned principle of, okay, off-season is for growth. So you got a little bit, like you said, not fat, but... Uh, like chubby. If, chubby, yeah. Yeah. But do you, did you like being chubby or you would much rather see yourself, you know, the jacked, you know, blast yeah. bigger, yeah. you know, in a good condition? So uh, I said getting a little bit of fat and you had a control. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we've seen some of the guys guest posing looking yeah. like uh okay you know what yeah. i mean yeah yeah you know so th th that's kind of true but so i had actually a couple of pros one is a greek pro that uh i sent a diet and after one week he complained after the second week he quit and uh, really it was ridiculous i mean there was uh 60 grams of protein you know six uh, meals a day a couple of shakes in the middle i mean 80 to 100 grams of carbs per meal yeah. you know it's nothing like it doesn't sound crazy yeah nothing, nothing crazy but yeah. i mean he didn't used to eat so okay so one thing that i've seen they don't eat enough i also think uh overtraining like even jay uh, i mean jamie jamie came to me uh, right now jamie johal i'm a christian yeah yep. and first thing he says like, oh yeah for you know he had that attitude less is more yeah okay so I said, okay, I'm give you, I'm gonna give you less money. You want less money? Okay. You know what I mean? Less yeah, is more. Yeah. How do you justify that? This yeah. is a bullshit that people wanna accept. Okay, it's all overtraining, overtraining. And I, you know, I, I'm sure that you train that you train probably much heavier than me. But I train quite heavy for my capacities. Sure. And I train honestly six days a week, two times a day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I seldomly, maybe a couple of times a year that I felt like, oh, you know, I feel overtrained. Actually, uh, today, Jamie is supposed to train. Yesterday, I trained him, and I've seen a sign of overtraining. So it's okay. Today is your day off. Yeah. I mean, but in general, uh, you know how the people answer on uh, YouTube or uh, Instagram, overtraining, overtraining, too much volume. I mean, come on, man. Yeah. You, you can uh, push your body to adapt to this or this or that. Right. Yeah. So 
I tell everyone, look, you won the pro shows. So you, you know what it takes, mm -hmm. okay? You took years to, to get it. But if I work with some uh, new pro, is this my job to compromise or maximize? No, no okay? maximize, yeah. So, so then if I maximize and I tell them, okay, this is how, and they look at me, oh, but <laughs> I give them usually, uh, if they train just uh, uh, once a day, I give them two, one, two, one, two, one for a while, and then maybe I can squeeze, squeeze uh, you know, two, two, one, you know, stuff like that. Can we, can we wait before you skip through that? Let me just, because people are watching, I want to, I want to get a little bit more detail about that. So what does that mean? Like if you have a, a guy come to you, what does two, one, two, one mean? What does that mean? <laughs> two, one means two workout sessions a day. Okay. Uh, first Monday, one on Tuesday, okay. two on Wednesday. One on uh, uh, so you flip, flip it back and forth, yeah, back and forth, yeah, because yeah. you see, I'm strong believer, and now I'm gonna actually for the first time ask because you have a hostile supplements, yeah, so you have belief in intra workout supplementation, right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Okay, yeah, that's that's something I don't know if you were, I pioneered back in, yeah, in, in, uh, yeah. yeah so John told I'm, me that, yeah, so I believe in uh, intra workout supplementation. Because what do I create during a training? Anabolic state of the body, True. okay? So why bodybuilders train to be anabolic, to build? So now if I have a one opportunity a day or two opportunities, uh, so if somebody would ask me, if you would ask me now, okay, yeah. Milos, what do you think is better? I wanna win Mr. Olympia. Should I train twice or once? I would of course have you train twice. You yeah. know, for me, yeah. it's a no brainer. Of yeah. course, you, you have to support it nutritionally and time everything perfectly. So with your supplements that you have, obviously, you would, you would and that's why I said send a, a double dosage to a, a <laughs> Samsung. I believe in this. You know, now you can trust, if you color your essential aminos in the black, right? Yeah. And uh, the drink during a training, whoop, their biceps gonna become black, right? Yeah. Your transport inserted, like nail it. Yeah. So this is kind of things, uh, uh, what I said, the second thing that uh, nowadays people are complaining too much uh, volume, overtraining, and uh, I don't believe in that. And why? Because I did it for 15 years straight. I, I did with uh, Hiratari Magishi, with the Dennis Wolf, you know, with anybody that came to me, um, you know, Johnny Jackson, uh, you name it. I so, would put them honestly on, on that. Dennis James, twice yeah. a day. Can I ask you, so I just want to, I like to play devil's advocate on the podcast yes. so that we can get more information. So I did two-a-day training, I think the last four or five weeks for a few of my preps because I didn't want to do extra cardio. So instead of doing cardio, I would train in the morning, I would eat a meal, train in the morning, eat a couple more meals and go back and train again. And then I might do like a little bit of cardio at night before bed. So I found that those were my best looks. I looked incredible for those shows. And I found that I burned fat better training than I did doing cardio. The problem is when I try it in the off season, after, inevitably it happened that after four or five weeks, I would start to feel run down. I would start to get more pain in my tendons. I would start to feel like more tired. And I could keep going. If you told me, hey, you have to keep going, I could keep mm -hmm. going. But this is where I think the problem, I do, I do believe in overtraining. I think there's two types. I think there's like chronic overtraining yeah. where, where, you know, it's there, but because you're crazy, you can yeah. push, you can push through it. Yeah. Or there's acute overtraining where you're like, 
I just feel dead today. I can't sleep properly. I don't want to fuck my wife. I don't want to like, my appetite is gone. All these things, right? So, <laughs> so, so, I'm, so what I'm trying to say is, do you, do you agree that those two things exist? Or do you think it's just because the nutrition is so far off that it's not compensating? It does, but I, I'll tell you, okay, this is super interesting. Okay, first you said, those, those are your best looks uh, when you did train high volume two times a day. Okay, uh, yep. best looks, beautiful. But then you say, okay, you, you finish the contest and then you try to do this in off season and you kind of feel, you know, you're tasking your body too much and, uh, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it was uh, overtraining. And I, and I accept it because you are for real. You're yeah. the pro champion. You know, I respect you a great deal. That's your real honest to God uh, experience. But I had hundreds of others that I listen and I observe it. So sure. there are many things. First, uh, look, if, if uh, you don't have uh, enough rest, enough sleep, you have a stress, then you, you know, in order to have that, you know, second workout and you have to go with some stimulants and then, uh, you know, you burn your adrenals in process yeah adrenal exhaustion and adrenal you know burning your adrenals for sure is going to make you feel like and you're going to feel overtrained yeah so honestly i didn't do any stimulants for like last 10 years of my career i didn't because i started with it you know back in the late 80s Dimetadrine 25 came about that was ephedrine right and it was like there was you can you can buy it uh, so training with Sonny. Sonny was like, oh yeah, take one, then take two, then take three, and then, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. next thing you know, uh, you're, you're trashed. Uh, this is why, okay, if I have to reduce the volume in uh, one workout and have a two smaller workouts, yeah. I would much rather do that, you know, because I have this windows of anabolic opportunity sure. twice a day. I'm yeah. going to just push, 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 push nutrients into the muscle mm-hmm. for that reason. Because uh, uh, when I talk about hyperemia advantage system, increased blood flow happens to the muscle only when you train. Yeah. So only, so you have a store, you want the people to come into the store and buy your supplements or whatever store you have. Yeah. You want many t- those people to come in so the same thing is your blood is going into the muscle so effectively. 60-70% of the blood goes in the muscle only during a training. Yeah. So do I want to have just one opportunity? Or I'm going to load that blood with all the anabolic, anti-catabolic, fat-burning nutrients, whatever I find beneficial that you have in your supplements, and uh, push them into the working muscle. And every muscle contraction opens up the cells for uh, uptake. So if the volume is too much, okay, I break it. I take it uh, to smaller workouts. Yeah. But uh, idea just I have this. You probably don't know my diet. My diet is consists of three phases: uh, fat burning phase. One, one minute. Be- Sorry, one minute before you get into the diet, because I do want to get into diet. But just yeah. one second. So what you're saying is, and John used to stress this to me a lot. John would say, "You can dig a hole, but make sure you can get out of it." He said, don't dig the hole so deep that you're stuck because, because the way I train is like, you know, some, you just said like, you'd rather train less. So like maybe 80% instead of a hundred, every workout for me is a hundred. And John used to want me to train six days a week. Four of those days would be a hundred. Two of those days would be like 75, but I never knew how to do 75. So I would just do all six at a hundred. 
and I would be trashed by the end of the week. So I think what you're saying then is when I was doing the two a days, I was probably going too hard. And I was, that's why I was ending up in the gutter. So you're saying two a days are better, even at 75. Yes. Than they, than one session at a hundred. Yes. Well, well, absolutely. Look, so here is that, uh, now we're going to, uh, maybe contradict because I was saying before, like, yeah, all out, you go to the failure and stuff like that. But, uh, I remember uh, Bill Pearl, Bill Pearl, yes. You know, Bill Pearl, yeah. you know, phenomenal yeah. author. So I remember one time when I talked to him and I talked this about the failure and he goes, Milos, why would you want to fail in anything? Mm-hmm. And that, that's, uh, okay. We had talked to, uh, what do you call it? Uh, with uh, uh, Lee Haney, you know, how simulate yeah. and annihilate. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I know that uh, uh, Brad Shuttle, you know, the, the scientist uh, hypertrophy is showing more and more with the, you don't have to really this guy. push. Yeah. Uh, same, same hard. <laughs> right, right here. That's the same book. Yeah. Brad, yeah, Ch- Brad Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. uh, I appreciate Brad and, uh, you know, I, I uh, bought his uh, muscle, Maximal Hypertrophy first one and it's a very, very good book. But, Okay, you just said something, and I could assume this about you. You look like a guy that is all out, 100% or nothing. Yeah. You are. Yeah. yeah. But when I uh, talk to now guys and say, what does it really mean pushing all out? That means that not just your muscles are going to go all out. Your tendons and ligaments are going to go all out, and you're going to just hope to God that they're going to handle it, right? Yeah. yeah. And... and uh, uh, my father back in the day, not a psychiatrist, doctor, scientist, I mean, really, he was telling me, you have to understand, body is not designed to be pounding like this day in, day out, years after years. It's just a matter of when, which I didn't want to believe. Like, hold on a second. You're talking in general, you know, doctor and the average person. We, bodybuilders, I'm going to train twice a day, you know, six days a week for 20 years. I'm going to be prepared for it. I'm not going to, guess what? Yeah. So when you turn 40, and then, then every joint, every tendon, and any, any ligament, right? So, uh, Serge Lubray, back in the day, I talked to Serge many times, I've seen him train. He never pushed all out. Mohamed yeah. Benaziza, Kerry Pastel, you know, I watched them. Uh, okay, so we would like to believe that you have to go above, you know, to really stimulate and create this muscle damage to create that uh, proliferation. Yeah. satellite cells, well, you know, uh, I don't like, you know, scientists, the scientists, they're going to talk this, but you and I and uh, other pro bodybuilders, we, uh, theory and practice, we practice, we saw it. Yeah. Do you or I have to do the bu- double blind study in university to say this works, it doesn't work? You know, l- let them do this. Yeah. We, we know what it works, but uh, if one message I can send to the guys, uh, as uh, John was saying, uh, dig the hole that you can get out. <laughs> you yeah. know, I never yeah. heard that before. I love it. Yeah. You know, because if you go, then what? But the uh, same thing on this all-out effort. I yeah. mean, I love Jan Valier. Yeah. I love, I respect him. I'm terrified when I watch him do this super heavy weight. Deadlift like know? eight plates. Yeah, yeah. It's scary. Yeah, I agree. It's I scary. get scared too. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, so what, what do you do? 
uh, now I'm an old timer, right? So I want to give him a good advice. I told Sean Clarita when he was here, the opening of a flex, uh, Lewis's gym, I said, Sean, for the love of God, you're picking up the dumbbell heavier than you and you're pushing <laughs> yeah. it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's true. And then when I told this to Ronnie Coleman, I said, Ronnie, knowing if you knew then what you know now, would you train lighter? He said, hell no. I mean, he goes, that's that was light for me. Uh, and then you put in perspective, I guess. I mean, yeah. it looks like if Sean can do like 10 reps with uh, 200 pounders, like who am I to say like ease up on it? Yeah. But uh, but that's the but that's the but that's the problem, right? So when I say I've said to Ian before, and I'll just I hate to you keep using Ian as an example, but I've said to Ian before, hey man, like that's a lot of weight. Like maybe you should ease up, especially like a couple weeks out from a, a show, you should probably ease. He's like, it doesn't feel heavy. So yeah. the, what, the, the point I'm trying to make is to those guys listening out there that are like, okay, maybe Milos is right. Maybe I shouldn't go to failure. Maybe I shouldn't go too heavy. But if I do four plates on the bench press and it feels light and I do it for 12 reps, maybe I have to go to four and a half. Like, That's how nice. do you, how do you, what I'm trying to say is like, how do you limit somebody who's that strong? Like when you see James, like I trained legs with James, we did uh, six plates on the hack squat or something like that. I thought I was proud of myself. James comes, puts four more plates on. <laughs> like, so I'm like, and, and he does it like 15 times. So it's like, how do you tell somebody who's doing nine plates aside on the hack squat 15 times? You got to go lighter. Yeah, you can't. You yeah, can't. No, you can't. That's yes. what I'm, so it's hard to, it's hard to pull back to somebody that can do it yeah. with such ease. Okay. So, so here, here's my point. Okay. And I've seen those guys. I don't know if have you heard the story when uh, Ronnie Coleman came to my gym and asked me to do the back training with him. No, uh, no I repeat no. I repeat myself many times, and people say, "Come on, you're the old man that keeps same stories." That's okay. I don't tell, know tell, I, I haven't heard it. Tell me. Okay, so 2002, Ronnie Coleman uh, comes to my gym. He was doing a photo shoots, so uh, he's like, "Hey, bud, you want to train?" I said, "Okay, you know what are you training?" You know, back. It's okay. So I go right after him. I say, okay, Ronnie, I'll do your, your training. So what are we doing first? Uh, T-bar rows, the one that you stick uh, in, a, in, a, in a wall. And then, okay. So I'm putting the two plates. You know, I was ready to warm up in two plates, right? Yeah. Hey, 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 hey. What's that? What's that? What's that? I said, what do you mean? <laughs> Six plates warm up. Come on. <laughs> Six plates warm up. And in my gym, they, we have not those thick ones, but the... The thin ones, the uh, Eleiko weights. Yeah, 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 the real ones. Nine plates, second set, 12 plates, third set. Okay, yeah. so going to the second exercise. Oh, bend over rows. Okay. Yeah. Well, what do you think he starts with? Four. Four. <laughs> he <starts with> four. <laughs> four. I mean, you know, shit. You know, that's, so, like, that's like a heaviest set is four. He started with four. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yep, yep, boom. Yep, yep. Uh, shit, man. I mean, like... Uh, and then he did, uh, he was very disappointed. I only had a 200 pound dumbbells because he can do forever. <laughs> and then uh, deadlifts. But anyway, uh, next day when he was pulling into my parking lot, I like ran. I said like, you know, the side door, I ran. I was like, Jesus. Yeah. But, but uh, on a serious note, they're always the freaks. So now both you and I and most of the community, we feel sorry for uh, Ronnie because he's... Yeah quite debilitated okay sure. because he was a warrior he went for it so james or somebody else that have that capacity right <laughs> for me 
the solution for it would be make the weight heavier by changing your tempo, changing your techniques. Sure. And I've seen this even with uh, John Meadows now that you said, uh, one thing that uh, we kind of didn't agree. And then when he came to the gym, he, he was against super slow concentrics. Yeah. He would do slow eccentrics, but he yeah. wouldn't do concentrics. Yeah, he taught because, me that. Yeah, he was against it. And he says, like, yeah, you don't stimulate the high threshold motor units in it. I said, like, this is not strength training. This is a hypertrophy. So yeah. let me just put you on super slow concentrics on the hack squats, on the shoulder presses, on the Smith machine uh, uh, inclines and stuff like that. It's an absolute nightmare, especially if you drive nutrients with your hostile supplements, you have essential amino acids and glutamine, ATP, glucose, all pu pushed down. I found great uh, muscular hypertrophy responses with lowering the weight dramatically, yeah. Yeah. doing it slower. And, and then like uh, I would say to Jamie, uh, I'm sure you've seen some with the Reagan. Uh, once you unlock whatever you're doing, right? So you unlock your... Uh, like uh, knees or elbows yeah. or whatever, yeah. you find that pain zone. And literally speaking, I want you now to be honest with yourself. You feel the burn, create more burn. So only you can determine what is going to create that uh, more burn. So yeah. you go just inch down, but you stop a little bit and it's burning even more profoundly. Then yeah. a little bit, okay, and dig yourself. And now when you have that crazy burn, right? Yeah. You don't get out of it, you stay there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so for me, uh, for the guys like that, I would still make them fail on the six, seven, eight repetitions. Doesn't matter. I see. With the lesser see. weight, yeah, you know, increase intensity by changing tempo, grip, speed, uh, these kind of things. Because I think for uh, longevity reasons, uh, you know, because well, yeah, here, for for longevity reasons, you're 100 percent right. Obviously, if you can use lighter weight and build yes. the same amount of muscle, your joints and tendons are going to thank you later in life later in life yes i yeah. think so because this all of us uh you know jumping from a high-rise building and feels great falling yeah <laughs> oh, yes, yes, until you hit the ground yeah and, and i'm guilty of that myself i mean uh, there is no joint that i have nowadays i can say it's uh, saved you yeah. know what i mean yeah so uh this kind of, and, and you are epitome of raw brute strength and power so i can imagine when you go to the gym Okay, uh, another question for you and for everybody. When you do the bench press and you say you do this four and a half plates or five, right? Yeah, yeah. Is this any way possible that you're focusing on a chest and muscle contraction? No. Or, or you just say, push this sucker off my chest, right? Well, well wait a minute. So for, for someone like Ian, and, I, and I've seen this and I know exactly what you're talking about for, for the most average people like, or sorry, I don't say average people, but average pros, when you're doing four plates or five plates, it's probably really, really heavy. And you're probably more focused on just going from A to B instead of actually feeling the rep. But for someone like Ian, I've seen them do this like on the Smith machine or James, when they have four or five plates, they still look like they're feeling the entire rep. Yeah. But I do agree with you that there are a million ways to make three plates feel like four or five plates. So I, I get your drift. I get what you're saying. It makes, it makes total sense. And I do agree that when you're trying to lift maximum weight, it's hard to feel the fibers 
like you would if you're using a lighter weight. And you know, it's, yeah. it's funny. I just had this conversation with Nick Walker and Roman Fritz on the podcast. They are actual proponents of training slow and feeling like, you know, they still train heavy, but like Roman, for example, squats four plates. He said, I could squat six, but I squat four and I, he does it with like perfect form and a very slow speed. And um, I also want to say too, that John was the one who taught me like do explosive concentrics. So I've never even done, I've never even tried to do a slow concentric. So yeah. I always, I always do a slow eccentric, but I always do an explosive concentric. Yes. So I've never. Well, okay. So here, here with the, as you know, greatest respect and love for John Meadows. Okay. Of course. I think that we agree. John was most loved person in the whole industry. Yeah. Definitely. And most respected. And I love, love him. And I, I mean, he gave me the credit so many times. I mean, to the point that I was embarrassed. Uh, yeah. So, uh, hold on a second. I lost my chain of thought. What I was, We're talking about yeah, eccentric for, uh, and concentric. Uh, eccentric and eccentric. Okay. So there is, uh, uh, you maybe listen to him and say, okay, I just need to do uh, explosive concentric. And most of the people go with this. If you have a four numbers, right? First number is uh, seconds on the way down. Yep. Second number is in a stretch position, uh, concentric and a shortened position. So yep. I don't know if you've seen, uh, like Charles Polikin would do like four, zero, uh, one, yeah. one, and yeah. stuff like uh, these kind of things. Yep. And then when you go to these numbers, you know, many people don't realize. So you have uh, four different options. You can uh, prolong eccentric, not maybe just four seconds. I do 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, you know, I do the prolong. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So now when you're in stretch position, there is that obvious stretch overload hypertrophy method. There is a lot of uh, research actually done just on a stretch, stretch uh, overload. So in a fully lengthened position, you can say lengthen for one second, two, three, four, ten, you know? Yeah, I mean, me and John used to do pause reps, like we hold in the stretch. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah. yeah. I know because John, yeah, he has advanced mind and he was thinking all those kind of things. Yeah. He just didn't like concentric slow. So yeah. uh, I like slow concentric. So I would encourage anybody that is listening to this to do some exercises. Slow concentrics is unbelievable. Do slow concentrics of biceps, curls, preacher curls, whatever, on uh, shoulder uh, presses, on uh, incline uh, you know, Smith machine presses on anything for legs, hex squats, pendulum squats. Many people go slow down, but uh, very few go slow up. Mm -hmm. Go slow up with zero momentum, your quads are gonna explode. Okay. And then, uh, so there is four, uh, four points and uh, peak contraction at the end, right? Uh, and uh, it's peak contraction when you squeeze, and a lot of people squeeze for a second or two, but uh, nobody squeezes for longer, three, four, five, ten. And uh, you're gonna probably uh, say that also many people, they use just as much contraction as needed to move the weight, but could they squeeze harder? Yeah. Yes. So there is a time under the tension, time under maximal tension. When I was selling a Regan, okay, okay, I can see him squeeze, but I see that he didn't maximally squeeze. So we call it super squeeze, right? Okay, okay. So I think by playing with those, you can reduce the amount of weight, save your joints and a career like Dexter Jackson had. Yeah, yeah. Right? I, I mean, uh, uh, this is kind of message that I wanted to send. No, it's a very good point. So 
I want to move to, uh, we've already been on an hour, so I don't want to keep you too long. <laughs> I have I, all day. I no, have all I just, day, but uh, the, I don't know uh, how much she has. Oh, I got time. I want to talk about diet because I mm. want to, uh, people are inevitably going to wonder, how do I set up my diet? How do I set up my supplements if I'm going to train twice a day? Yes. Okay. So can you, can you walk me through what a day looks like when I'm training yes. twice a day? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So ideally it would be uh, training after the second meal and training after the fourth meal. This is how I would structure it, right? So for me, from the very early uh, stage of my career, protein intake was a must. I had to overload. I, I started with one gram, two grams, three grams. I went to four grams per kilo. You're Canadian, right? So you go four by kilos of pounds. Well, four I... grams of protein per kilo. Oh my God. Yes. That's, uh, that's going to be like... 500 uh, grams of protein a day. Yeah. You know, uh, this is what I was you know, pretty much averaging. 450 to 550 a day. Now, wow. now okay, you're going to say also, because you didn't do it as much, it's not necessary, okay? And a lot of people got away with much less because research has shown... You don't need it, but, but okay. Well, just for a moment, I actually did do 500 because Chad, I was working with Chad Nichols and he had me okay. eating like, <laughs> he had me eating okay. like, yeah. And how much did you weigh? Oh, well, I kept increasing. I mean, on stage, I was yeah. 235, 240 and I was eating like okay. 500 you, grams. So you, you, were, you were doing a 400, four yeah. grams per kilo. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. you see, and I have many guys that actually experimented. I have even guy, Andy Bell, uh, uh, you know, just five and six grams. Listen, uh, for me, I said this in, uh, in my early videos back in uh, Secrets of the Pros when I was advising, three grams per kilo you know, is what bodybuilders should do. And uh, if you really want to push it, have four because all the macronutrients that you're going to have is either building or energy nutrients, right? Mm -hmm. Building nutrient is only protein. The amino acids that you have, that's the only building. So this is the only thing I can build my body. Okay. And here's fat and carbs, energy. I spend the energy, good. I can uh, spend it or store it. I, I do want to store carbohydrate as a glycogen. I do not want to store fat. So I have to be specific. Yeah. I am on the belief that bodybuilders should have a high protein, high carb diet. Okay. You know, stay away from fat. All these keto diets are produced because people got fat and keto is very efficient to burn body fat. That's for sure. Yeah, but yeah. there is no way that keto is highly anabolic. There's no way. You cannot maximize your uh, anabolic potential with keto diet. Carbs are needed for muscle, for yeah. uh, no contraction. You don't have it. You're not going to grow. Can I uh, play devil's advocate for a minute? So mm -hmm. there's going to be two people, two types of people. One is John. John used to believe in, in high fats or at least moderate fats because I know yeah. – I had a really, a couple of really, really good off seasons where we did moderate carbs, moderate fat, okay. and a little bit higher protein, but not really high. But the more common argument is going to be, well, why does my protein have to be so high if carbs and fats are protein sparing? Uh, I, I, could, I could eat more carbs and I could increase okay. my fats and have a little <laughs> less protein. Perfect. Nobody, nobody mentioned that before. Protein sparing. Mm. What does it mean? Sparing. Okay. So back in the day when they would give like branch chain amino acids and suggest you to use intra-workout for uh, sparing effect. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, but you use amino acids to spare it. Mm. Okay. Uh, 
the protein is going to be converted into the carbohydrates. Yeah. Only if, in the, if there is a lack of carbs and need of carbs. Yeah, exactly. So gluconeogenesis, conversion of protein into the carbs, only yeah. happens if you have a lack of. Sure. So it's not like carbs are there and they have a protein sparing. Yeah, if lack of carbs would cause protein sparing, but mm. sufficient carbs can never do that. You see, body reacts. But wait as- a minute, one, one sec. So you're saying, you're saying, let's say I'm taking in 500 grams of protein a day, mm-hmm. or sorry, carbs. Let's say I'm taking 500 grams of carbs. Mm-hmm. You're saying if I take in 500 grams of carbs and 300 grams of protein, my body is going to use those 300 grams of protein to build muscle. Yes. If I'm taking in 400 grams of protein, I'm going to use the 400 grams. Quite possibly, yes. Listen, if you initiate the stimulation through training, okay? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, we need uh, 10 bricks to build a dark house. Yeah. But we need a much more to bigger, bigger house and castle and castle. So with continuous stimulation through the training mm-hmm. and cause for increased protein synthesis, muscle protein synthesis, right? Yeah. I am giving you amino acids in your bloodstream yeah. constantly 24 hours a day, sufficient amount that if body can utilize it to build it, it's there. So when the protein converts in the, in the carbs, in a lack of carbohydrates. So yeah. this is what I, uh, not too many scientists has experienced super high protein intake with a sufficient amount of carbs. Sure. They would, you know, replace the calories and, okay. I, so I, under, I understand what you're saying. So, but the main point is the amount of protein that you're taking in with that amount of carbs is only beneficial because you're training twice a day. Yes. I mean, because, because, you, yeah. you, like you wouldn't feed somebody 500 grams of protein and 500 grams of carbs and then tra- tell them to train once every other day. No, no, no. no, no. I mean, have, the, the frequency of training has to exist is what I'm saying. Yeah. Frequency of training. And I, that's why, I mean, uh, I was going to discuss my diet, but you said, like, let's do this later. Because I have a, a fat burning phase, maintenance phase, and anabolic phase. Okay. Okay. So maintenance phase would be for these people that they train once a day and then next day, day off. Maintenance, you just maintain what you have, right? What you have, I give you enough calories, protein, carbs, and fat from one meal to another. So you have a protein requirement throughout the day. Sure. But when you train, now your, your uh, macronutrients changes. Now yeah. you have that anabolic phase. Okay, so now I'm going to create the stimulus. I can uh, initiate protein synthesis in the muscle. I need more building material, which is only protein. Okay, but I'm going to have a sufficient amount of carbs for that. Now, I agree that uh, John liked some fats. If you have moderate fats and moderate carbs, as long as you have enough carbs to do all these muscle contractions, there is never a compromise that now protein has to be converted yeah. if you have sufficient amount i would much rather lower the carbs and lower the protein you yeah. know for me yeah. so for me first constant is uh high protein and for you you said 500 grams of protein that's only 2000 calories yeah for other, yeah. right yeah it's only yeah. 2000 calories so yeah. now if i if you said that uh many guys uh, um ian and uh, uh james they were doing 5000 calorie diet right yeah so okay yeah. it's 2000 have another uh, 500 carbs, for example. That's another two. That's only four still, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. And they have another 110 grams of fat there. 
which is quite a bit of fat, to equal 5,000, right? Yeah, exactly. So when you really analyze the numbers, this is when people, uh, in general, I don't need that much protein. So for me, is what would you prefer to know? You have 24 hours a day at all times, influx of amino acids in the bloodstream. Constantly, it's there. So you need it for a hair, for a skin, for a muscle, for a organs. It's there, right? If amino acids are lacking when you need to build a muscle, you're compromising, okay? Yeah, yeah. So I would much rather have a sufficient, and then if not needed, if not needed, okay, which who has determined uh, when amino acids are no longer needed? Uh, you know, there, there's, this is why these uh, uh, scientists, they never took pro bodybuilder, they want a maximal hypertrophy to see how much protein you would need. You could use, yeah. Yeah, so I, I tell you, you probably heard that story with Nasser Al-Sambadi. Nasser Al-Sambadi came 94 to my house. He saw my journals on a, on a desk and he's reading it. He said, oh, you eat 500 grams of protein? You're, you're smaller than me and I eat 250. Yeah. And then I asked him, okay, Nasser, so 250 uh, for a guy like this, uh, that's the only building nutrient. Uh, how are you going to build your muscle? So immediately, 94 to 95, if I take 500, he's going to take 600. So he was taking 600 grams of protein, right? And you see what happened. You yeah, know, 94 Olympia, 95, yeah. nine of champions. Yeah, yeah. Most of my guys, they, they're going to be listening. They can confirm with you. I go extremely high protein. Three grams per kilo, four grams. Okay. Yeah. yeah so yeah. if I divide this in a frequent small meals, okay? And uh, the choice of protein, because you're going to write it. Uh, I have... Uh, lean protein source before the meal, okay? And uh, uh, fatty protein source, eggs, salmon, yeah. Yeah. beef, right? You know, the, the one before that. So he has some time to digest. Yeah. But uh, before, you know, so first- So before, be, before training, you mean? So before training, yeah, before you have your training. lean protein. Yeah. Yeah, lean protein. Yeah. With a bunch of complex carbs. Yep, yep. You know, a bunch of complex, I'm sure that you're doing the same thing. So first meal in the morning, can be high protein, high fat, okay? And if somebody is lean, I give you carbs as well. Yeah. If you're not lean, I'm gonna skip the carbs right there, okay? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. here you don't maybe need it. So that's the maintenance phase, sure, okay? Sure. But now one meal before and uh, two meals after, that's anabolic phase, Yeah. okay? Yeah. And as I have this, uh, those are lean protein, bunch of carbs, uh, intra-workout, Simple carbs, amino acids, creatine, yep, yep. glutamine, beta and citrulline, everything, right? Yep. Post-workout, quick carbs and, uh, with, the, with the protein. Okay, yep. I like post-workout shake. Yep. And then these two meals, as uh, six hours at least after the training, your body still replenishes everything that happened. So yep. physiological preference of the body in these six hours is still muscle. It's not elsewhere. So yep. all the food that I'm giving is preferentially going to the muscle tissue, not other tissues. Sure. But then, boom, I have another workout. The training again. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. And then I have uh, two more meals, one more with the uh, high carbs, and yeah. then uh, 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 the next one can be higher fat with the yeah. you know, yeah. protein. Yeah. So this is my six meals. And, uh, and uh, what I do also to ensure uh, those amino acids flow, 
Uh, in between meals, often I give uh, uh, give my uh, athletes ten grams of creatine, ten grams of, uh, grams of glutamine in between meals. Okay. Okay. <laughs> to, to even further enhance. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I don't know if you experimented uh, to put uh, uh, creatine as well throughout the day. I haven't. Uh, uh, listen, uh, I tell you this also. It's uh, in a train of thought. In 97, there was an athlete's meeting in a, a weeder um, in a South Lake City. There was 20-something, uh, Chad Nichols, Landon Murray, uh, Sean Ray, everybody, everybody. And there was uh, Dr. Feliciano, and uh, uh, there was uh, James, uh, Jim Wright. There was many. Okay. And that, that was when uh, creatine was popular. And then yeah. they started talking about creatine, 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 okay? Yep. So they said, should you use the creatine for the... For the contest and everybody was no it makes you hold water and everything right yeah. okay okay listen but creatine phosphate would replenish adenosine triphosphate uh, atp is what it's cellular energy it's yeah. uh, inside the cell so once you want to hydrate intracellularly okay yeah. Yeah. so just because nobody has done it 97 for canada pro that i won and 97 uh, Another champions replaced second to Chris Vermeer. I did 60 grams of creatine every single day the whole week. <laughs> the last week. Last week, all the way to the show. <coughs> and I have it. I mean, I have that journal. I can prove it to you guys. Yeah. And I felt full as a house. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. But this is that fear of people. Ooh, you know, I don't, okay, spill over. Come. I don't want to be watery. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. if you are normally, and applying this. So for uh, my guys, we establish this. I want them to keep lean in off season. So then you can watch it. Yeah. So not just that uh, four grams of protein per uh, kilo, I would give them uh, uh, that uh, creatine glutamine, uh, the essential amino acids, you know, sometimes even throwing leucine before workout and after. Yep. But yep. I saturate with shitload of amino acids. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I am 100% convinced that you, if I train you, you would be maximally potentially anabolic. So if you if you create the reason for a body to, to synthesize protein in your muscle through the training, it's gonna synthesize, guarantee. You're not gonna lack any of the uh, amino acids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, I don't know if you've seen some of those presentations. I don't wanna to be too complicated, but this is inserted in me, my father, when he, he told me, listen, when you build any tissue, right? Muscle tissue has uh, this code, and yeah. in this so code for muscle tissue would be okay. Here is arginine, here is ornithine, here is lysine, methionine, you know, isleucine, leucine. Yeah. So your body is when synthesizing, you know, brings this one here. The next yeah. one, messenger ribonucleic acid goes, transport brings it. Boom, boom. Okay, next. Boom, boom. Next. Boom, boom. Well, shit. If this is missing, methionine, yeah. for example, yeah. it stops. Yeah. So for me, at that time, when I realized, oh, muscle protein synthesis, and if I compromise and something is missing, I'm missing out. So for me, that's why instantly, initially, essential amino acids, the most important supplement you can have. Sure. Because non-essential aminos, your body can produce it if needed, like this. Yeah. So... Uh, uh, I, I hope I'm answering some questions. So first, I saturated you with enough protein, enough amino acids at all time. Now, uh, I'm making sure that you're not calorie deficient because 
if you are color deficient, you're compromising. It's yeah. no longer maximizing. Yeah. Okay, I give you enough for the next meal. Now, next uh, meal before the workout. Yeah, I'm gonna bring all these carbs because I'm gonna trash you through the workout. Sure. So, uh, Charles Polikin is the first uh, person that asked me directly, Milos, how much carbs you think? How much glycogen you can burn in a you know your intense training? Yeah. And I really didn't have a idea there. I was like, okay, 100, 150, right? So he showed me some studies, like 200 grams of glycogen can be used in an intense training session. Wow. Like, hold on a second. Yeah. Okay? 200. And what he was doing back in the day, he would give a 200 grams of dextrose immediately after the workout to replenish muscle glycogen that you have lost. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, if 200 you're going to burn. Imagine, right? Yeah. This is how much glucose and a glycogen you can have. So I have some coming from a meal before, yeah. you know, such a complex carbs. And then I'm sipping, I'm maintaining the uh, glucose level during a workout. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So devil's advocates are going to tell me, but Milos, uh, normal glycemia is 70 to 90 milligrams per deciliter, right? So mm. you, you, at all times, you have like five grams of glucose in the blood. Yeah. I said, no, that's a normal glycemia. It's not carbohydrate utilization. Okay. So I trigger all this uh, carbohydrate uh, release and insulin release, obviously. Yeah. And when insulin is in the blood, it takes everything out of the blood to first available tissues and cells. Sure. And the only cells and tissues available are muscle cells and during a training blood yeah. is only in the muscle right yeah, yeah so yeah. it's like dumping everything right here dumping in the yeah. muscle <laughs> how you know so how can that be wrong right mm -hmm. so this is what i started initially and i see it works right i didn't do the university study but obviously you believe in the system because you created the supplements according to this yeah right? yeah 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 so this is my message to the, the people because, okay, devil's advocate, they would naysayers. I would tell you, please try well, it if yeah. it makes sense. The problem is you're saying a training session can burn 200 grams of carbs. And that may be true if it's your training session, but there's <laughs> going to be a variable, right? That's a huge variable between the yeah. way some, this guy over here trains and this guy over here trains, right? This guy may yeah. burn 50 grams of carbs. Yeah. But he's going to take 200 because Milo said so. So now no, he's, no. Got, he's, got a, he's got 150 grams extra every day. And now he's fat yeah. by the end of the week. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying everybody should go to 200. Yeah. But uh, even, you see, for me, I was underusing it before I found this. I found out from Charles Pollock, and I, I greatly respect him. God bless his soul. He, he is phenomenal. But, uh, you know, so, whoa, you know, that puts a little bit ticks in perspective, right? Yeah, yeah. So I would give, like you said, first, initially 50 grams of carbs into the workout. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm counting, you already have some uh, pre-workout, let's say 75 or 100 grams of carbs. Yeah. I know that John Meadows was doing a little bit less. I was going to, I was actually going to ask you. So John used to have me do 50 pre, 100 during 50 post. Okay. At my at my peak, like when I was my biggest, he would be like, okay, let's, we would work up to it, right? We would start with 25, 25, 25, and then he would build it up. At the mm -hmm. very most, we would do 50, 150. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't feel like I was got fat. Like I felt like I was like, it, I really felt big. I didn't feel, yes. I didn't feel fat, but, my, but the rest of my diet had to be very clean. 
Yes, yes, you know yes, I mean? yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. You see, so we are focusing on drums. This is anabolic phase. Yeah. In anabolic, in anabolic phase, this is allowed. Sure. This is allowed because here, simple carbs and uh, insulin release is going to be a best friend. Somewhere else, it's going to be a worse enemy. You don't want right. a simple carbs. You don't right. want a insulin dump, and then it's going to dispose to first available cells and tissues. It's not going to be muscle tissue. Yeah. You know, so so I, I agree with you. So I found that cluster dextrin is the only thing I can I can use. Like if I use, uh, and not to knock any other companies, yeah. Carbolin or Vitargo or like even Dextro. I used to do dextrose for a long time. Yeah. It just sits in my stomach too long. So if you have people use carb powder, do you give them an option or do you have a choice like what yeah, you like? This, this is interesting that you say that I 100% believe you. So I was also following this gastric emptying or smolility yeah. You know, the hypertonic, hypertonic. Yeah. And so they were saying dextrose uh, would be sitting in the stomach, draw the fluid. Yeah. And I tell you, uh, there was Dennis James, Dennis Wolf, Tyler, Sylvia, Samuel, everybody's in my gym. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were all doing these drinks. So my staff would have to give them pre workout, intra workout. Uh, they, they were supposed, to, and they, they ran out and, at that time of uh, uh, the, the Bitargo, we were using Bitargo. Yeah. That yeah. was the original Bitargo from uh, Sweden and it was really uh, dissolving very easily. And uh, they ran out and they were terrified to tell me, but because they knew that they have to put enough uh, carbs, you yes. know, yeah. why? Yeah. So they were putting a dextrose in, like 100 grams of dextrose <laughs> yeah. for three days before the Bitargo came and none of the guys actually felt the difference they didn't know so they didn't know wow and and, and then there was okay you see now with the, the my ex-wife is okay so you're talking about this high molecular weight glucose polymer being uh uh you know so much better favorable. Yeah. yeah but uh, it, it, none of you uh, felt the difference so then i said like listen okay uh i i give uh, people uh, a chance they try dextrose dextrose is the cheapest but yeah. if you have a uh, stomach issues yeah. and you feel bloated yeah obviously you change i found if i'm dieting and i'm on low calories i can process a lot of different carb powders mm -hmm. but i found in the off season when i'm eating more calories i have to use a cluster dextrin if i do yeah. Vitar vitargo for some reason i'm okay with but only for like three weeks and then it starts to bother me i don't know why it like gets to a point where it gets to me so anyway you listen to your body yes you listen yeah. to your body that's that's the greatest thing okay I would tell everybody, as soon as you feel some compro compromise, compromises, no, 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 switch yeah. to. So uh, highly branched uh, cyclic dextrin works for you. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It's great product by all means. It's just maybe a little bit pricey. So some people, yeah. when they're on the budget, you say, if you would ask me, what would, you, what would I prefer that you buy great essential amino acid product and a cheap dextrose? Or uh, <laughs> yeah. or, or uh, cluster dextrin and yeah. not, I would yeah. tell you, essential amino acids are you know more valuable. I used to buy back in the day, but this was post workout because Chad used to have me do a post workout dextrose, and I think we did some insulin in my off days. But he would have me do dextrose, and uh, dextrose is just corn sugar. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I would yeah. I would go to the bulk barn. We have a store here called the Bulk Barn where everything comes in like a you scoop it into a bag, and I would get corn sugar or cornstarch whatever it's called uh for eight dollars a pound yeah and that's how yeah. much i could do like my dextrose was like all this yeah it, it, was, so, it was so cheap it was right there 
But, okay. but, but, but honestly, my gut was a mess. Like every time I did, because we would do like, I don't know, 10 IUs of insulin and then like 100 grams of dextrose and my stomach was out the fucking here. No good. So, no yeah. good. I mean, uh, but you just mentioned something interesting. You were doing uh, insulin on uh, off days. Yeah. Yeah. So one off season. I Okay. So just so you know, personally, I don't like insulin at all. I don't, yeah. it's never really felt good for me. Yeah. But in my early career, uh, when I worked with Chad at uh, 20, I think I was 28, 29, we put on a lot of size. It worked. But I also feel like that was the year my stomach got a little bigger. So I don't know. But anyway, he would have me do two days of insulin and they were both my off days. So we would do like on those off days, we would do two Every or three hours. Well, no. Well, we would lose use Humulin R. Yeah, but it was uh, three times a day. So we do morning. Every eight hours. Yeah, yeah. So we would do, uh, yeah, those two. And then I would go back to the gym full as a house the next day. And I would have this like crazy training session for two days or three days. And then I would do it again on my off day. So it worked. But the part that didn't work is that year I noticed my stomach went from, because in my early career, like if you look at uh, 2009 Houston Pro, maybe or 2008, my waist was small and I had very stacked abs. And then I remember, I believe after that insulin year, my stomach started to get thicker. Now, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's because my whole body started to grow or if it's just because of the insulin distended my stomach. I don't know, but I did notice a difference in my waist in that yeah, time. But see, you, you had the discomfort, obviously. So when you take a 10 units and a hundred oh, grams, yeah. you yeah. felt, you see, that's, that should not happen. So yeah. if you did, if you did with your uh, uh, cyclic dextrin. Cluster dextrin, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I do believe there would be a completely different story. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but, but here, because you're against it. And I see a lot of people label me, oh, insulin, insulin here. But look, insulin is anabolic hormone, right? Sure. So testosterone, anabolic steroids, anabolic hormones, you want to use them, you don't want to use them. Yeah, yeah, you want to use them to be more anabolic. So sure. insulin adds to equation, okay? So this is why I did it. And what does it do? Uh, it's... Uh, uh, stores all the nutrients, ATP, glucose, aminos, right? So the problem that I had though was, and, and we'll get into your protocol mm -hmm. because I'm, I'm actually interested in, in knowing what it is, but just to briefly tell you, the problem I had was I would have amazing workouts for a week or two. And then I felt like it didn't do anything. So I would start off at like five IUs pre-workout uh -huh. and I would have to do eight IUs pre-workout and I have to do 10 IUs pre-workout. And next thing I know, I'm like, you know, the certain coaches like, well, we got to go to 15 IUs. I'm like, I don't want to do 15 IUs every single day because I don't feel like I'm getting the same pump from it. And I just think I'm getting fatter. I'm sweating more when I train. I look softer. My appearance looks shittier. And I don't feel like I'm getting the same feeling from it. So I was like, I, I just did never, no matter what arrangement I tried, if I tried a pre-workout, if I tried it every other day, if I tried it only on lagging body part days, inevitably i always felt like i just after a certain period of time i never got the benefit from it and i just my body got softer so okay so what is the highest amount that you used 15 i used three times a day that was three the times most, a day. yeah but 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 that's uh okay three times a day is not necessarily that wasn't every day it was twice a week twice a week yeah yeah but that, that's like on the off days but yeah you didn't do the uh, pre-workout, post-workout. The most I did pre and post was 10 I use. 10 I use. Okay. So post. listen, okay, this, this is really how it works. And this is touchy subject because some of them are going to point the fingers. Uh, when you have a supra-physiological amount, 
more than your body would normally produce. Mm. This is what you can expect supraphysiological results. You know, so if you do just a little, you know, if you take 100 grams of sugar and then your better cells produce so much insulin and it's going to be so much, this is something that your body is quite used to, okay? Sure. sure. But if you inject like 20 units, yeah. this is more than your body would normally produce. Now you have that extra effect. Now you have a, this something miracle that could happen. Of course, uh, a lot of people would, uh, but no, Miller just shoots the insulin and then, you know, uh, covers with the insulin, with the, with the glucose. Yeah, listen, if you don't cover it, you go to hypoglycemia, you can go to coma and die, mm -hmm, of course. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. when you use this much insulin, you must cover it to create the environment that your body is accustomed to. Yeah. Normally you eat carbs first, your blood sugar level increases, then your pancreas releases insulin. So uh, in the blood, there is your glucose and insulin. And insulin brings down to normal. That's yeah. what, uh, what it does. So if you inject first, okay, you better create uh, better catch you know, up. appropriate glucose level. Yeah. So this is, you know, one reason why to do it safely. But if you consider that you might burn up to 200 grams of glucose or glycogen during a training, right? So that's amount of glucose is going to be used either yeah. from your uh, blood, blood glucose level or from stored glycogen. Yeah, yeah. And now when insulin is there, right? You know that whatever, whatever is that, even triglycerides, Insulin is not selective. Everything, ATP, glucose aminos, is storing everything. Yeah. Where? In the first available in the muscle tissue. Yeah. So even psychology over physiology, if your mind can comprehend it, now this insulin is trapping glucose and putting in this uh, biceps muscle cell that I just trained. And the next step and the next step and the next, you know. So when you visualize it, and then you look at it and you get the pump out of your mind, right? Mm. And then uh, post-workout, you continue in this six-hour period, right, that you keep replenishing. Yeah. Retention of that. This is why, I mean, most of the guys, uh, I'm sure that uh, we talked to some of my guys and maybe initially they would say that's great, but then they would have a complaint. They would have a complaint because it's hard to maintain this, you yeah. know, uh, for a long time. Yeah. 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 You know, so, but occasionally on a weaker body part, when you want to create this crazy anabolism and saturation and insertion of the nutrients, it works miracles. I would really like you to try intra-workout, post-workout with the, like, okay, 2020, uh, you know, the, the, the thing, because you're going to be quite shocked. I, I, I'm quite convinced even you, uh, a veteran of the sport that did this before, when you do it, you know, it's going to be like, oh, my God. The Dennis James back in the day, remember? Mm. When, when I did with him, 2020, and then we did a, twice a day, mm. he blew up. And he, he was just sending me pictures. I can't believe it. Look what you did to me. I mean, it was... It was <laughs> what uh, you did to me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you see, some people have that ability to yeah. just blow up. And uh, depending on, of course, uh, structure and everything else. Uh, so... I wish uh, I wish we did this ten years ago. I don't think I can do it anymore. I have to watch for my watch out for my health. But we can talk about. Yeah, it. yeah, I understand. Um, but... No, I wanna I wanna ask you though. 
So a little bit more specific, but not dose specific. I'm just curious. So in the two a day training protocol, yeah, are you having your guys? Well, I don't want to say even you having your guys. Are you saying that uh, you would do insulin pre both of those workouts or pre intra post or like how are you doing it for those two training sessions? Yeah, listen, uh, I did even that. I mean, I'm sure you you heard uh, like uh, Mike Cipriani competed. uh, Complain about me uh, putting him on this much <laughs> and that uh, has something yeah. to do with uh, with his heart it has no relations whatsoever right uh look when i want to create a super competitive pro bodybuilder mm. and we have a six months to do it yeah and then you and i discuss okay you want to maximize you want to minimize optimize what, what do you want okay so on that note if you're going to be so strict meticulous yeah i can drive it with the insulin before and after okay i would just adjust body part but 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 both workouts or one of the two i i did i did i did both i did both i'm not gonna lie that i didn't yeah Yeah. i did many times because i want more and then by the end of the week observe okay it's going in the right direction right so initially everybody this is uh, crazy but then it comes to the point of maybe saturation, yeah? So yeah. I could back off. And uh, and quite often, I would back off and do no insulin and then bring back the insulin when it's needed. It's not like everybody does it at all yeah. times. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I had uh, four guys competing in uh, like Egypt. Uh, two guys were doing it, two guys were not doing it. You know, yeah, so yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I just, who needs it? And uh, we have a great response, uh, we do it. Okay, couple couple more questions. So I just want to ask you one about Lantus, because mm-hmm. I'm assuming I'm assuming you like to use very short acting insulin. But how do you feel about long acting insulin? Because I know it's popular in Europe, and I know a lot of people think, well, if I do the long acting, it's good for eight to twelve hours, and if I do it, then I'm going to absorb my carbs for that whole time. Are you? Do you think it's it's stupid, or is it something that's? Yes, this is a very good question, and uh, I like your input on that. So if I tell you. I gave you short-acting Humalog that has an onset in 15 minutes, peaks in 45 to 75 minutes after, uh, strong action two hours, and is out in three or four. Okay. So this is the curve. Okay, this is, in this four hours, you are under the influence. Yeah. And when you are under the influence, all the nutrients that you have would be stored where you want them to be stored, which yeah. if you do it before and after workout, the only muscle tissue is going to be exposed sure when you when you do the long acting that is here hours insulin is not selective it stores everything that is in the blood i see every everywhere that can be uh going because hyperemia increased blood flow to the muscle is only during a training sure hours before and hours later now you're exposed to agent that can store everything including fat, fat into yeah. the fat cells you know, more than normally if you don't use it. What would you say to somebody who said, but it's helping my pancreas because it's adding a little bit of insulin by itself. So what if you're not overeating? What if you're almost under eating? Yes, yes. And you're taking it. So it's helping your pancreas take take the insulin, take the carbs. Okay, so listen, uh, you know, pancreas doesn't take the carbs. Pancreas releases insulin to take the carbs. Okay, so the only thing is, uh, the danger of natural bodybuilders taking too much carbs, too much sugars, right? Because 
Now they're overloading a pancreas and beta cells have to produce so much to uh, equal it. Yeah. So my theory long ago, the, which a lot of people agree, Dr. John Berardi, you know, Mario Pasquale, if I inject the insulin, I save your pancreas. So now the insulin is there, your beta cells don't have to produce it. That's, That's right. negative feedback. Yeah. If, you know, so... Now, on that note, I agree. But you see, I don't give you unnecessary carbs when you don't need it. But, so this, but that's a long acting. Uh, let me just finish. I understand. You said the right. long acting when you're going to inject it in the morning, right? It's going to help your pancreas. So mm. pancreas, but what if you don't eat carbs? Yeah. If you don't eat carbs and you inject the insulin, it can, it can drive you to the hypoglycemic but not the lantus, like it's supposed to be like anti-hypoglycemic. Like you don't really go hypoglycemic with it. I'm just, I'm, I'm not trying to belabor a point. I'm just curious because it's a thought process out there that you can eat a little less. You're not going to go hypoglycemic and this will help drive whatever carbs you do take throughout the day. But I do see your point that if it's outside of the training window, yeah, you're going to drive fats as well. Yeah. Okay. So you see, uh, I'm going to be honest with you, Lantus, I never even tried it. Okay. I never tried because for me, there was, I tried back in the 90s, there was Humulin R, N, L, yeah. U. Okay. So yeah. N was uh, a long acting. R was eight hours in the system. Yeah. Uh, N was comparable to, it's not like they don't get to hypo. Yeah. They peak, they peak, uh, you know, much later. So you can get away with, okay. <laughs> but, uh, fate of uh, all the nutrients that you have, right? Atlantis, far away from uh, training, all the triglycerides, not just glucose. Listen, yeah, everything. you inject Atlantis, you're risking that any fat that you took, yeah, that's going to release triglyceride. That Atlantis is going to drive triglycerides into the fat cell. I get it. Yeah. Okay. So for me, for me, uh, that's a no-no. Would I want to be right now exposed? Okay, I took the Lantus, but I had some fats and shit. Lantus now might drive it, these uh, triglycerides, yeah. but I don't need them. I don't want them, but because it's there, it's going to be more potent uh, transfer into the fat cells. I don't want it. No, no, no. Uh, I know that, I know that uh, Dave Palombo likes it because of counteracting GH, you know, GH and insulin. So... Uh, hyperglycemia caused by uh, GHUs. You know, okay, so that's his purpose. Yeah. But uh, for me, you see, if, if I give you uh, two workouts a day and I give you two uh, insulin shots, you are exposed to a, yeah. uh, a lot of insulin anyway. Yeah. Uh, but honestly, I would probably do if I change if I make you do two workouts a day, only on the first workout, more than likely, or maybe before, after, before, and. Uh, after the last one, I, I wouldn't bother because no. that's usually uh, evening and, uh, you know, I, I let you get away with it. Yeah. But yeah. to just clarify that, because I, I'm glad and listen, you're very respectful and you're not saying anything. You just said you are against it. And yeah. many guys, I understand that James Hollingson is against it and many other people are against it. And I, I agree. Okay. You're against it. Don't use it. Yeah. But uh, just comprehension of why I use it. I use it because it's an anabolic agent. Sure. Drives everything. And when you use it at the right time, it's, you know, just, best just, friend, not enemy. Yeah, no, just for the record, 
I'm not saying it doesn't work. I just personally haven't had a great experience with it, but I do know other bodybuilders that have had great experiences with it. So I know it works. And I just, maybe for me, it's either I haven't done it the way it should be done or I haven't done enough. Uh, but it just, you know, for whatever reason, for me, it wasn't the greatest experience, but no, no, I do understand that it definitely works. So to wrap up Milos, I want to say something. I, I, I gave you a credit on a podcast recently because, and I'll, I'll go all the way back to what we started with, which was, um, you know, old timers talking about bodybuilding and everything. And somebody said to me on, on one of the Instagram posts, well, how are they supposed to get their opinion out? And what are they supposed to do if they can't say it on Instagram? And I said, the way to make change is to get involved and not just to make a post and then forget about it. And I gave you credit a, a couple of podcasts ago, because I noticed, especially most more recently, you're trying to help all the guys you're helping Samson, you're helping Regan, you're helping, you know, all these different athletes. So I feel like when you're somebody who's in the sport and actually helping, you're allowed to say whatever you want because you're actually on the front lines, like trying to help these guys look better. So I give you a lot of respect for that, but what is it? Uh, what does it feel like to be in the, in the mix with the modern day guys and helping them? Does it feel does it make you feel like the same competitive spirit that you had when you were involved yourself? Yes. Listen, I'm, I'm really from a small city uh, in former Yugoslavia, right? Where, uh, you know, mediocrity is common, right? And nobody's going to encourage you to, when I, when I told them I'm going to go to America, be on Mr. Olympic, everybody was laughing, right? So, yeah. you know, for me, I, I came from that, uh, you know, I want to achieve and I want everybody else to achieve. Mm. Uh, I would help every person on this earth if I can, right? Yeah. And I, I did, uh, I don't want to mention this, but throughout the years, you guys don't know, I did many bodybuilders for free. They could not afford me. They wanted my help and I did it. Of course, for business purposes, that's a nonsense. It's not good, right? Yeah. Yeah. And how this normally works in life when you do it for free is not even appreciated. You know, the, I had it many, many times. So I don't do it really for the money. I do it for a passion of it. But yeah. of course, I have to respect my time and work. So I charge the people. Sure. But now, when I see uh, the young bloods like uh, Regan and uh, Samson, okay, Jamie, uh, the, the uh, Bekru Stabani, you've seen uh, in a phenomenal yeah. body, right? Yeah. I can associate with them but because I was in their shoes. I felt that fire. I wanted to qualify for Olympia. And then when I was at Olympia, I want to compete at the highest level, right? And if I'm here to uh, make some shortcuts, you know, you see the things that we are talking today right now, hopefully you see and uh, the, the listeners can see, I'm passionate about it. Yeah. Uh, I want to maximize and I'm true to myself. If I want to maximize, this is my channel of thought. This is how sure. I analyze. And that's what I'm giving to my athletes for to honestly help them. Yeah. You see, many of us, even when you said, when you criticize bodybuilders before the show and they don't like it, should you continue? You know, for me, yes. My father always told me, do the right thing. So what is the right thing? I want to help. So I want to help. If my uh, criticism can help them, mm. and even initially, they're not going to like it. Yeah. When they maybe go home and when they think deeply, like, uh, let's say, Akeem Williams, if he was offended that I told him about the stomach, the letter, if he can, why would Miller tell me this? Mm. He wants to 
joke with me, maybe it makes me, you know, feel bad, or he noticed, uh, oh, I noticed it too. So imagine if I tighten up the stomach with all this crazy muscle thickness, and, uh, I can be much more competitive, right? Yeah, Same yeah. thing I, I told, uh, I mean, I honestly, anybody that's going to criticize me left and right, find me one person that I tried to bring down. Even that uh, the time that uh, Ian Belier thought that maybe we had something. No, I, I didn't really want to bring him down. It was just, you know, bro talk. Yeah, you yeah. Tease me and I respond to you and you're smart ass and smart ass back to you. I mean, this is uh, what it ended up being. And I, 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 it's stupid uh, to, for a record, you know, I, I like you very much. The reason why I told you, he uh, blocked me. I had an interview and he said, Ian, I was going to send you the pictures. I took the pictures of him on a stage and I was going to send it to him. So he sees what I'm talking about that I'm not making it up. Yeah, but yeah. I said, I couldn't send you because you blocked me. <laughs> and, and then he says, yeah, I blocked you because I don't want any negativity. I said, okay. Yeah. You know, this was the only reason, you see. Uh, see. But, but yeah. Listen, Milos, I, uh, I appreciate you taking the time. I have a newfound respect for you. I, I, I like, this is why I like doing this podcast because I get to kind of dig in a little bit deeper about the person and their personality and, I find, I, I feel like we have a very similar passion for bodybuilding. I, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to love bodybuilding until the day I die. When, no matter whether it, it's bad or good and, you know, bad things happen and people get hurt and, or good things happen. I, I love bodybuilding. I feel like you have the same passion for the sport. I envy the fact that you can help the guys the way you do, because I don't, I don't have the capacity to coach. So I do this instead, but, uh, I envy the fact that you can get out there and actually help the guys get on stage and help them look awesome. So thank you. Uh, it shows your, your passion shows. And I, if I can tell you, uh, yeah, I was kind of bummed that you never invited me to, for a podcast, right? I'm, so, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, seriously, Even the many people ask me, say, well, maybe for uh, in a couple of times, actually, I even made it on Instagram. I don't know if you've seen it. I'm available anytime, but I understand yeah. that was at the time it maybe. Ian was uh, kind of sensitive about uh, this. But listen, you are straight shooter. Ian is straight shooter. Everybody else. I mean, uh, I can be involved in any of your conversations at any time. You, yeah. can, you can just uh, see maybe different different perspective, right? Yeah, now, I love it. Now you see that, uh, look, I would love to analyze all the physiques. And one thing that which... Uh, version of Dexter beats uh, Ronnie 98. Like, <laughs> this kind of things, right? Yeah. He came out of, uh, with this and yeah, I love these kind of things. Yeah, so yeah. we can analyze this and that. Uh, you still never answered me when I asked you 93, uh, Dorian or Flex? Oh, you didn't let me answer. Oh. <laughs> See, I thought you were making a point because it's funny that you said that because I've made this point numerous times. Somebody said to me, because uh, people blame the athletes all the time nowadays. They're like, oh, the athletes are too big. The athletes are too big. And I always say to them, it's not the athlete's fault. It's the judge's fault. There was a time in bodybuilding. And I always make that same comparison you said in 93, when they could have chose Flex or Kevin Lavroni or Sean Ray or Dorian Yates. And they chose Dorian Yates. And when they chose Dorian Yates and they chose them over and over again, it sent a signal to the guys that they have to be bigger. And then when they chose Ronnie, it solidified the signal even further and they chose Jay and then they chose, you know, so it's the judges that have dictated the size of the guys nowadays. Cause you're right. They could have chose flex and everybody would have been, everybody would have thought, Oh, okay. I don't have to be massive. I just have to look pretty. 
So in my preference, the only thing I'll say is I think everybody always says that Dorian Yates was only as impressive as he was if you saw him in person. And I never got to see him in person. So I don't feel like I'd be a fair judge if I said Flex Wheeler. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's hard not to pick Flex Wheeler in 93. But it's also, yeah, I, I can't even tell you who I would pick, to be honest. I've never even thought of that comparison. I'd have to sit and look at photos because young Dorian Yates was very, very impressive too, to me, anyway. Yes. He didn't. I, you see, ahead. I apologize. I didn't give you right. You see, I got too excited. Yeah. And then to make a point, you just keep going. So I didn't let you answer it. But, it's okay. Uh, it's okay. Okay. Uh, I'm going to tell you this. I, I've seen, I was 93 on the stage, yeah. backstage with Dorian and uh, everybody else. I, I was there. And uh, 1995, I was front row. Dorian was most peel guy I have ever seen in my life, including Andreas Munzer. Yeah. Yeah. 95. Oh my God, uh, this was... So, another thing that I must say, uh, Dorian didn't have a single uh, bad mandatory pose. Yeah. Every mandatory pose was excellent, right? Yeah. So, I sometimes even feel guilty when I, you know, but I would still pick Flex, right? Yeah. I would still pick Flex, and, I, and I, I said it many times, that was the worst thing that could happen to bodybuilding because then judges really had to choose and they chose this direction. And then, Many years later, they tried to go back to the other direction, you know? Yeah, And then yeah, they did yeah. it briefly with the field heat. Yeah. And I'll go back to the, again... Uh, but I don't know if they're... Now, if you think about it, I don't know if they're actually picking big or beautiful. I think they're just going by judging criteria. Like, if you look at Flex Wheeler and you look at Dorian Yates, you think to yourself, okay, who's more conditioned? Who's more symmetrical? And uh, who's more muscular? Yeah, it's Dorian Yates. Out of, <laughs> out of the three things, out of the three things, right? Would it not be Dorian Yates? If yes, you're, yeah. If you are judging it strictly as a judge, not as like a, not as your own preference. Yes, but uh, you see, we would all like to believe if Frank Zane could yeah. win uh, Mr. Olympia, right? Yeah. Being that small, and many guys would beat, like you said, Dorian beat uh, Sean and Kevin and Flax yeah. in these other aspects. I mean, this aspect was uh, glorified and there was, there was much, much more important. Listen, if I'm a judge, how can I ignore a um, big Rami with the shoulders like this, twice as wide as anybody else? That's what I'm you saying. Know? Yeah, so I understand. But uh, for me, especially the finals, I don't know if you were watching. At the finals, Hadi Chupan impressed me yeah. to the point, I mean, I told Dennis uh, James, I said, listen, I think uh, uh, Hadi is getting it, but, uh, you know, tonight. But uh, that's not the case. And Yeah, I don't think, that- I, I don't, if Hadi would have won, I don't think I would have complained, but I do see why they picked Rami. Same thing, same yeah. thing, yeah. same thing. And listen, even if uh, Brandon Curry won, yeah. I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't have a complaint. I love Brandon's physique uh, the yeah. best. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, I was just on Generation Island and, you know, they asked me, okay, Milos, many people are putting Brandon Curry down for his legs and all these haters. And I said, like, listen, I love Brandon's physique and everything. But seriously, if you sometimes take a picture or video and cover upper body and you just see the legs and just yeah. compare the legs of all the people on the stage, yeah. you're going to see, okay, this is not Miss Olympia winner. 
Yeah. Right yeah, there. Yeah. You yeah. know, you cover the lower leg. So that balance has to be. So if I'm, of course, Ben and Curry, I, I would bomb those legs and then it would be, you know, a chance of winning. Yeah. I mean, I think you get to a certain age and things maybe aren't going to change at that point. I mean, I think Brandon's in his late thirties, I believe, or even maybe 40. So I don't, uh, is he how, late? how old are you? I'm 43. I think Brandon's, okay, but, I think, so I think Brandon, what, Brandon's late thirties. What would you say if I ask you, when do you think you were at your peak and uh, physically, mentally, uh, you know, athletically the best? 30, 35. 35, yeah, 30, yeah. I said 32 to 38. Yeah. This yeah. was the period. Yeah. Yeah. So I agree. But I think after, I want to say after 36, 35, 36, that's probably the biggest I was going to get. I didn't think I was going to get much bigger. Like after that, you start to kind of plateau and go the other way a little bit. I mean, but I see your, your, your new pictures on the Instagram. You're in phenomenal shape. Yeah, I'm getting skinny. I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting small. <laughs> no, but yeah, yeah, super, you know. Are you going to compete? No, no, I'm getting, I'm getting small, man. I'm going to go down to two, two thirty. I want to be nice and trim, this and small yeah, and athletic, well, small and athletic, healthy. You, you look tremendous, sir. By, by all means. Thank you very much. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. Listen, is, yeah. is there anybody? Is there anybody or anything you want to say or anybody you want to thank or anything before we go? Uh, <laughs> not, not me. Yeah. I mean, if there's there any, no, 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 it's just, just uh, you know, I, I uh, kind of don't like when. Uh, you know, the, the bodybuilders thank the judges and thank the, you know, <laughs> I, I never liked that. You know, for me, okay. that was, uh, even though everybody does it. But listen, uh, I just uh, do want to mention this because uh, you're also Canadian, right? Yeah. Uh, the Because a lot of people uh, are excited about me working with uh, Reagan Grimes, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I do uh, think that uh, he is something special that we can uh, create uh, top physique, and uh, because especially he has that mentality. Uh, same thing with Samson. You know, you realize uh, Samson's passion for it. Uh, he showed me some of his off-season uh, looks with uh, John Meadows. Yeah, and he never really got uh, too fat. And I said, like, okay, he was three fifteen, I think, uh, with the visible abs and everything else. It's not a physique that now you can project. You know, uh, I always. I say visualize exactly the physique you want to see on that stage. Mm -hmm. And until you see that physique in the mirror, you can't stop, you know, because this is how I did. I really, yeah. I visualized something 97 about, I achieved what I visualized, you know? So uh, there is a, uh, Behrouz Tabani. I want to, I want to say this uh, also. Very impressive. Super impressive. Look, we are in predicament now, week before the show, like every Iranian guy, is more than likely not going to get the visa to mm. compete. We are preparing for the show. If he goes to the show, he has a chance of winning, qualifying for Olympia, you know, and uh, very slim chances that he's going to get uh, a visa. What, what show is it that's coming up? Alicante, the... the Spain? Uh, Spain, yeah, in, in the next week. He can't get a visa to go to Spain? So far, he didn't get it, yeah. He's got a beautiful physique, man. Like, yeah. really, really nice. Yes, yes. I could, I could, I could have seen him. I don't want to sound crazy, but I could have seen him winning the last show. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's hard for me to say it because I have a, you know, uh, another compare. I told Samson it was between, you know, uh, for me it was between uh, him and and. That's uh, what that's what I thought. I thought it was him and Beruz. 
Yeah. Not to take anything from Raphael. I think Raphael's yeah. got an amazing physique. I just, I thought Barus just really impressed me. That's all. I was kind of blown away by his physique. So congratulations for having those guys on stage. Yeah. Thank you. It's just like many uh, athletes watching, they don't understand how good they have it because you can compete in any show that you plan to. Yeah. Iranian guys, and there's like 10 more that uh, we don't even know about. Then in a phenomenal shape, can never step on a, some of those stages because they can't get the visa. So uh, I really tried to push that issue. If anybody can help, if they can help, I called Honey Rambo to see if he can help. And uh, there's a little bit different procedure for the United States, different for uh, Spain. So I'm hoping that uh, Behruz can uh, get his, you know, uh, justification and get another chance and hopefully qualify for Olympia. Yeah, that would be great. Um, okay. Uh, I appreciate you coming on, uh, Milos. I think we should do this again. I think Anything. next, I think next time we'll just line up a, a whole bunch of pros from the previous years and we'll try and compare who's better and who's worse. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. <laughs> well, let's do that. Yeah, no, we'll have fun, man. We'll, uh, we'll do this again. Milos, I really, really appreciate you taking the time, man. And I know we went on for a couple hours, but I really appreciate you, uh, giving your time. Uh, it's greatest to ours. It's, it's, uh, like I told you. This is a broad talk. This is uh, <laughs> yeah. what we're here for. I mean, uh, yeah. I could do this uh, in front of cameras, uh, off the cameras any day. This is our passion. So thank yeah. you for the opportunity. I don't want to keep you. My wife just passed by. I said, you know that you had talking two hours? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Thank you, Milos. All right. Thank we'll talk you. talk to you soon. Okay. Right. Bye-bye. Thanks for watching. Please subscribe, share with your friends, and like the video. And if you get a chance, check out the description for all the different links to all the different places you can find Hostile and myself. And lastly, check out Hostile.com for our new line of supplements and all of our apparel and gear. Thanks again for watching.